It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. fans this is mike k from nj advanced media welcome to the no huddle show podcast where we discuss anything and everything philadelphia eagles you can read our content on nj.com eagles and you can subscribe to our exclusive eagles insider tech service where we'll break news give you insider observations and provide in-depth analysis through eagles extra you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone with me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're discussing the Eagles roster cut down, the depth chart's biggest strengths and weaknesses entering week one, and we'll catch you up on all the news and notes from the weekend. Chris, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Mike. It, it's great to be here talking to you today, knowing that the 53 guys and the 17 practice squad guys that are going to be running with the Eagles this season and excited to go over the stuff with you. Well, you know, we've got a lot to break down. I mean, the Eagles made nearly 50 transactions over the span of four days. Um, You know, some news and notes from the past four days. The Eagles obviously constructed, well, technically they're at 52 as of Monday uh, afternoon. They're 52-man roster. They have one spot open. Um, They put Quez Watkins, the six-round rookie, on injured reserve uh, with the opportunity to return. They've also done the same with Will Parks, the safety free agent signing from Philadelphia. And then, you know, they cut Craven LeBlanc, then brought him back. It was a, a wild, like, 17 hours for the uh, fan favorite cornerback. You know, this Eagles team has done a lot over the last week, and so there's a lot to take in. We're going to break down the depth chart position by position, kind of offer our takes on everything. The Eagles also claimed Jason Huntley, a fifth-round pick of the Detroit Lions earlier this year, uh, off waivers. That's why they had to cut LeBlanc and bring him back. Let's just get right into this. Let's let's talk about the quarterback position because, really, when you think about it, this quarterback group is as expected. You've got Carson Wentz as the franchise quarterback. You've got Nate Sudfeld as his backup. You've got Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, as that developmental arm at the position, but then the curveball. So Josh McCown has been brought back. The 41-year-old quarterback will now serve as the oldest player in the history of the NFL on a practice squad. He'll work remotely from Texas at his home, uh, serve as kind of like a player coach presence in those offensive meeting rooms in the quarterback room. And he'll be the emergency quarterback in case COVID-19 really impacts the the quarterback depth chart. Uh, due to the pandemic, the league is allowing for teams to have 
six players of any experience on the practice squad. The Eagles are an organization that's always forward thinking, always trying to kind of working the rules in their favor and bringing in McCown's uh, the latest example of that. Chris, as a former quarterback, what do you think about this room? What do you think about the McCown move? Where are the Eagles at at that position? I'll, I'll first I'll start out with the McCown move. I really, really, truly like what the Eagles did there. I think when you have somebody of McCown's experience with over 17 seasons worth of experience being there in an NFL locker room as both a starter and a backup, I think he helps all three quarter, three of his other quarterbacks very well. I think when you look at wins, he can go ahead. That's a sounding board for wins to go ahead and bounce ideas off him as a starting quarterback. I think he can still help him with a little bit of the nuances of the NFL defenses that are still throwing with him. I think when you look at Sudfeld, I think he helps him out knowing that McCown has been a backup himself, how to mentally prepare to be the backup, how to get reps, things you can see as well too while he's on the sideline and just waiting to get a chance if something were ever to happen to wins. But I think the biggest person, the the biggest impact he'll have is the impact he'll have on Jalen Hurts. I think a lot of times when you listen to a coach say something, you take it in, but at times it may not have as much of a gravity of an impact on what they're actually teaching or saying. I think when you hear it from another player, especially somebody of the caliber of McCown, I think it's definitely going to help Jalen Hurts out. It's our, he already has Marty Morningwig, he already has Press Taylor, but you also have a, a fellow quarterback that can go ahead, even if it's via Zoom, he can go ahead and reach out or go ahead and help out along the way. Now, there's been talk that McCown wants to be a coach in the future, and I think this is a good stepping stone into that. You go ahead, he can go ahead and impart his wisdom, and at the same time, I mean, God forbid there's a COVID outbreak in the Eagles quarterback room. If you need to, you have somebody who knows that offense, who's played in Philadelphia, knows all the terminology as well, could come right in and go ahead and lead the team for a week or two and go from there. So overall, I think it was a, it was a good move to place him on there. Yeah, I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this is all about not only helping Jalen Hurts, but helping Press Taylor as as both of them kind of grow into their roles in the NFL. I mean, you know, they put so much investment into Press Taylor as a coach. It seems like they're really just trying to make him that next wonderkin uh, coach in the NFL. And I think Josh McCown is a great influence on that QB room, on the young QBs, as well as the coaching staff. Um, Let's move on to running back. So I brought up that the Eagles uh, picked up Jason Huntley off waivers. Um, They initially uh, had their their group at, at three. That's historically low numbers for the running back position for Doug Peterson's era. Um, Miles Sanders is obviously going to be the bell cow. Boston Scott is the change of pace back and Corey Clement's kind of that do it all guy, but Huntley is very, very dynamic as a kick returner. He returned six or sorry, excuse me, five kickoffs for touchdowns during his college career. If you watch any of his highlights, you can see just how dynamic this guy is. He's, he's only five foot nine and 193 pounds, but the guy can move. He ran a four, three, seven, 40 yard dash at his pro day at New Mexico State, was very, very prolific on offense. Uh, The word coming out of Detroit is that he kind of has to work on his pass protection, but I think you've got a ready-made kick returner uh, coming to Philadelphia, which allows you to keep Corey Clement healthy, keep Boston Scott healthy, limit the amount of risk of putting Jalen Rager at kick returner. And I think that's kind of what they're looking at. You've brought it up several times over the past few weeks that special teams really hasn't had a dynamic returner since Darren Sproles' heyday. 
what do you think of this group? What do you think of the Huntley pickup? Where are you at with the running back position? But right now, I look at the way the running backs are currently constructed. I think that there's a lot of versatility that they have among this group. Sanders is going to be your number one, so I think you have you're good there. I think he's a top fifteen potential to be a top ten back in the NFL, especially when it comes to uh, not just his running but his pass catching ability. I think Boston Scott using his speed around on those jet sweeps and and lining up in, in the slot sometimes as well too. I think he's a good change of pace back. And Corey Clement, he he's the veteran of this group. It's amazing that he's the he's the He's the old guy in the group, and I mean that jokingly because he's only he's only twenty five years old, and he's the old guy in the group. So, I think that you look at everything that they offer, especially in the passing game, they can be great options on the check down for Wentz. The Huntley thing—I'll be honest—Huntley surprised me. That 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 pick that uh, transaction definitely surprised me. I figured that if they were going to keep a fourth, I thought they were going to keep it in house, more leaning towards either Holyfield or Killings. I think that uh. The team still uh, is lacking that short yardage back. I know Sanders, if you're going to make him the number one, he's going to have to do that. But I, I still miss the days of having a LeGarrette Blunt-type guy on that roster that can go ahead and pick up the third and two, fourth and two, or even down the goal line that can go plow ahead and go ahead and get you those seven. But overall, I think those are good. And I think Huntley, with his uh, returning, I think he gives you options. He gives you, he can basically keep Rager, Jalen Rager and Greg Ward off the field. So that way they can concentrate more often, especially if they're going to pick, have more significant roles in this upcoming season. So I can see that. I, I'm just shocked they went outside the organization to bring a person like that in instead of staying in there with possibly more likely killings or Holyfield. Well, and they were able to get all three of those guys onto the practice squad. So those guys are still around if they need it. I also think they think highly of Boston Scott's short yardage ability. If you remember in that week 17 game against the giants, he scored three touchdowns on basically short yardage plays. So uh, he showed a little bit of that. I agree. The jury's still out on if they have a guy who can consistently uh, move the chains on short yardage. But uh, from their perspective, I understand why they're comfortable with the group that they have. Now turning to wide receiver, we brought up that six round pick, Quez Watkins was put on the short-term IR. He's going to miss at least three games. Jalen Rager, who's dealing with a shoulder injury, is probably going to miss at least the opener. It sounds like he's trending in the right direction to make his debut in the season opener against the Rams in week two. And then they kept Alshon Jeffrey active off PUP. Now, the thought process here is that he'll be available before week seven of the season. If he would have stayed on PUP, that's when he would have made his debut in week seven. Uh, I think it's smart. I think it gives them options. That said, it only gives them four healthy wide receivers entering week one on the main roster. So you've got Greg Ward, as you mentioned, you've got Deshaun Jackson, JJ Arcega Whiteside, and fifth round rookie John Hightower. Now, from there, the NFL, it, it, the new CBA allows you to promote two guys from the practice squad every week. Deontay Burnett, who had a fantastic camp. And Travis Flugum, who had some moments as well, both made it to the practice squad. I could see either one of those guys being promoted for week one. I think if they're looking for an outside wide receiver, Flugum's probably their bet. If they're looking for a slot guy, Burnett's probably their guy. Uh, I think one of those guys will be active. You've got to have five guys active at wide receiver. I think last year showed that when you suffer even one injury at the position, it can screw with your screw up your entire offensive game plan where are you at with the wide receivers given that Watkins is on IR Rager is banged up and Alshon Jeffrey isn't ready to go right away 
I know it looks weird when you look at a roster, you see seven wide receivers or on a 53 man. It's like, wow, it's, it, it, that's a lot. But I think given the injury situation that the Eagles are facing right now, I have no problem with it at all. I mean, even with Jeffrey missing, you're going to have Arcega Whiteside pretty much stepping into that role for a few games because, I mean, let's be honest, they, they, they were trying to basically bring him along to go and replace Jeffrey at some point in that contract number. So we'll get an early thing. He had a good camp. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if he can translate that and bring that over toward the regular season. I think you need another speed guy. I think Hightower can go ahead and do that, especially with Deshaun Jackson's injury history. I th- Hopefully he can stay healthy for a, a lot longer period. But I think overall, heading into week one, I don't think they would uh, – If you t- like you said, if you mentioned something you had Whiteside, Jackson, Hightower, and Ward, and probably either Flugum probably going running with the five going into week one. I don't think that'll be the the best five that they want to run would want to have running with it, but you got to deal with the play the cards you were dealt with. And going into this way, I think there's, there is a good mixture of possession receivers and speed guys, but it, the Eagles can't wait to have at least Rager back and then Rager and Jeffrey. Cause I think then that be, that position becomes more dynamic. So let's get into some criticism here, because as we enter the tight end position, look, you've got the best tandem in the league in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, but Goddard also has one of his hands very heavily taped due to a broken thumb. Uh, the Eagles run a lot of 12 personnel. Granted, they run that 12 personnel because they have those two guys. It's not necessarily that they want to become a 12 personnel offense. It's just they have two very, very good tight ends. So they're probably going to play a lot more 11 personnel um, one tight end, one running back, uh, and then three wide receivers during the first couple of weeks as Goddard recovers from his broken thumb. That said, we learned in week two of last season in that Atlanta game that if you lose one tight end on a two tight end group, your offensive play calling is basically shattered because you've got to protect that other tight end or you're running a lot of like three to four wide receiver sets, which isn't necessarily what the Eagles do best. Um, You know, they risked a lot by putting Noah Tongiai on waivers. He was the last player that they cut. Uh, They wanted to get him through waivers and actually re-sign him once they put Watkins and uh, Will Parks on IR. And you know what? They couldn't get him through waivers. He was claimed by the Colts. He will continue his career with the Colts. And and frankly, you know, I didn't think he necessarily had to be the sacrificial lamb for that final cut. And they did it anyway. And now they pay the price because they re-signed Caleb Wilson, who was significantly outplayed by uh, um, Tonky Eye, in my opinion, during the summer. I think you would agree with that. Um, And they could always promote Wilson to the active roster to be that third tight end. I just don't think the position's very rosy right now, even though it is probably their strongest uh, upfront depth position. What do you think of the tight end group? Well, I think we're going to, especially coming up with this week one, and we'll talk about a little bit more later later this week. I, I'm really concerned if something happens to either Ertz or Goddard, because I think they're going to have to use one of those two over there to help out the left tackle position. And even if it's lined up with chip or anything like that, and if you lose one of those games, like you said, it happened in week two, I'm not really feeling comfortable sending one out because, God forbid, what happens to both of them? You're, what are you going to do, line up a Greg Ward or Ortega Whiteside tight end? It's going to be rough to see something like that because you lose those two. 
I agree with you when it came to uh, Tongiai and Wilson. I mean, I was watching the one-on-one battles where uh, Wilson was going against some of the defensive ends, and they were in the blocking drills, and he was in he was getting blown up at times. So that's not really reassuring. I think Tongiai joining Ertz and Goddard, if he was ever brought up for a game in a thirteen personnel with one back and three tight ends, there are so many options. Having three athletic tight end, tall and athletic tight ends down by the goal line, you can do so much and create so many mismatch problems. So the fact that he was claimed by Indianapolis, I, I, I'm questioning that move. A lot. I'm really seriously questioning that move. And looking at the depth that they have on that, uh, basically what's out there remaining still, Perkins is gone due to the injury, and then you don't have Tongi. Uh, you have Caleb Wilson. I'm, let's hope that there's not uh, any serious injuries or any injuries at all at that position. Hey, guys. Uh, we had some breaking news after recording this podcast, so we're going to insert this into um, our previously recorded podcast that we recorded right before Doug Peterson's press conference. Just, just kind of goes to show you that everything can kind of change on a moment's notice in the NFL Anyway, Jason Peters is moving back to left tackle for the Eagles. Uh, Obviously, huge news for the team, huge news for the offensive line. The Eagles only kept eight offensive linemen on their roster uh, as of Monday. So that's Jason Peters at left tackle, Isaac Samalo at left guard, Jason Kelsey at center. We don't know who's going to be the right guard. We'll talk about that in a second. Lane Johnson at right tackle. And then the three backups are Matt Pryor, Nate Herbig, and fourth round pick Jack Driscoll. This is huge for the Eagles because it gives them continuity of the past two years. Everybody has started at their positions over the last two years outside of the right guard position. Matt Pryor played pretty well in the playoff loss to Seattle at right guard replacing Brooks, but there's also the potential that Nate Herbig starts at right guard is having Matt Pryor as the kind of versatile sixth man on Sundays is very helpful from the, you know, the numbers game aspect, especially only just having eight offensive linemen. Now, Doug Peterson said on Monday that Cordy Glenn's workout went well, but Jason Peters walked into his office on Monday morning and said, look, I'll move over to left tackle. According to Mike Garofalo of NFL Network, Peters didn't have his contract to rework. So basically the Eagles called his bluff with the Cordy Glenn visit and holding firm. And now Peters is showing a sign of faith by going back and moving to left tackle. Maybe the Eagles work something out in the future, but this is huge news, Chris. How did you take all this as we were listening to Doug Peterson talk about how he was thrilled to death that Jason Peters gave him this great news on Labor Day? This was the best outcome that could have happened on for the team on so many levels. First off, you get a guy who is your best option at left tackle, who's played at a Hall of Fame level throughout his career at left tackle. You move him actually to the position he feels comfortable in. So I think that move overall was good. Personally, I would go, I know Doug Peterson said he was looking at Nate Herbig playing the right guard. I'd still put Pryor there because as you mentioned before, and he played great against Seattle. I thought he did a good job, especially holding up with the different looks that Seattle gave during that wild card and that wild card loss. And I think everybody else now is, I don't think it's going to be a quick, uh, long adjustment for Peters to go back to the left side because he's played next to Sam Malo for a considerable amount of time. Pryor is familiar with Kelsey and also with Lane Johnson as well. And now you actually have a line that's set up now that went from being a severe question mark to with a lot of worries to now you feel semi comfortable again. 
So I think that this is great. And then on another level, you save a few million dollars to go ahead and roll over toward the salary cap for next year. So I think overall, this was the best news that the team could get on a Monday, especially heading into Washington week one. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at prior moving to right guard, I think something you have to consider, too, is the depth behind them. So Herbig's going to back up center and right guard. Driscoll's going to back up right tackle and left guard. Maybe you feel comfortable with Jordan Maylotta being the backup left tackle, whatever. Uh, I still think they should add an offensive lineman to the mix, but we'll kind of see how that goes moving forward. Um, you know, I think from from our perspective, this is the best news that the Eagles could get. Um, and so from here, let's continue on with our depth chart kind of breakdown as we move on to the defensive line. So we move on to the defensive line. They kept Jannard Avery, who's got a bone bruise in his knee over Joe Osman. I really thought Joe Osman had an incredible camp. Um, it's funny. They kept Jordan Melata, who was beat like a drum by Osman on, uh, on like a daily basis. So they feel comfortable about Jordan Melata on the 53. They don't feel comfortable about Osman. Um, I think that's wild. But anyway, moving on, uh, they clearly feel okay about Derek Barnett and his injury status and uh, Javon Hargrave and his injury status. Um, that said, Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson are probably going to start a defensive tackle in week one. We'll see where Barnett's at. Josh Sweat had a breakout training camp. Hassan Ridgeway is probably the best number four defensive tackle in the league. Brandon Graham's obviously Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry's kind of banged up. So wouldn't be shocked if Jannard Avery and Vinnie Curry are inactive in week one, but the rest of the group is ready to go. Um, real quickly, what do you think of the defensive line? I think this is one of the strengths of the, t- of the team. Whenever when they're in that Super Bowl run, when they were running two consistently good p- defensive line p- uh, quartets, they were doing really well. I think the defensive tackle position, when it comes to even that from one Fletcher Cox all the way down to Hassan Ridgeway, I think they're one of the best quartets at defensive tackle that you have in the league. The, uh, the defensive line, I'm not worried about Grant and Graham. I'm worried about the pass rush from the other side because I think that could really affect the quarterback. When you see a rush coming, you basically have to turn it out. So I think that's going to be a little question. I want to see how well they perform on there. And then when it comes to backups, I think Sweat but Sweat can have, a I think, his poise for a good year if, if he continues to develop and show the explosiveness that he did during a training camp. But I'll be honest, I'm, I'm shocked Avery's still in the roster. I know they spent, I believe it was a fourth-round pick on him to bring him in here last year, and I'm shocked he still was on the team. I guess they figured that they didn't want to show that they, they invested a lot in him using a fourth-round pick because sometimes that's a top 100 pick. So you want to go ahead and uh, they didn't, they wanted to still keep him on and see if they can still get something out of him, and hopefully they didn't have, he didn't really flash during training camp, so I'm shocked he's on there. But I think this still this this grouping overall is still a very strong, very strong. I, I should probably acknowledge the screaming in the background, I guess. Uh, my neighbors are having a heck of a time with their little kid outside. Um, so it's not we're, not, we're not filming a horror film outside. It's it's kids having fun outside uh, on this Labor Day. Uh, but anyway, um, so we talk about linebackers. They kept the five guys that we, we thought they would. That's um, TJ Edwards, Nathan Gary, Duke Riley, and then the two rookies, Sean Bradley and Davian Taylor. But then they also kept... Um, excuse me, Alex Singleton, uh, who I think was a smart keep. I thought he had a good training camp. I just didn't think they were going to keep six linebackers. He's a guy that has more experience than both Sean Bradley and Davian Taylor. He was a standout in the CFL. 
Um, like I said, I thought he had a good camp on defense. It makes sense. I don't know if I would trust Davian Taylor to play snaps on defense this year. So having Singleton there as a backup, potentially a backup middle linebacker, he knows the defense, he's played in it, and he's also a special teams ace. It makes sense to me. Where are you at with linebacker? I think uh, right now is still a lot of uh, question marks around there. I think I, I, I trust Gary. Riley's played well in camp so far, so I think he's all right. Uh, like I agree with you when it comes to Taylor. I think Taylor is a, he's still a developmental project. I think Brett, uh, Sean Bradley's bypassed him on that. And I think Edwards can be a, a wild card if he goes ahead and shows that he can he can play the position well. I think uh, it'll, it'll be a bonus on that one too. But I feel more comfortable in Gary and Riley right now. And uh, hopefully Edwards can become, if they ever go three linebacker set, Edwards can be that guy to go ahead and help. So they ended up keeping... 11 defensive backs on their initial 53 man roster, which is wild. Uh, And what's even more wild is six of them are safeties. Uh, As we first reported on Eagles extra, Craig James, the cornerback and special teams, they signed a one-year extension uh, on Friday. Um, You know, he's a guy that they really, really like. He can back up all three cornerback positions. Um, When you look at the cornerback group, they have, Darius Slay, Avante Maddox, and Nicole Roby Coleman as the starters. I think they're the best starting cornerback trio that this team has had in a very long time. And then their backup group is Craig James and Craven LeBlanc. To me, uh, James will be the backup outside guy, and then uh, Craven LeBlanc, who played musical chairs on the roster for seventeen for the last you know twenty four hours, uh, he'll be the backup nickel behind Nicole Roby Coleman. Both those guys have had their moments since they've joined the Eagles and they've been in the defense for over a year Um, at safety. You're looking at Jalen Mills and Rodney McLeod. Will Parks is on IR now. Um, Kayvon Wallace is probably going to be the backup strong safety while um, Marcus Epps is the backup free safety. Uh, Then you've got um, Rudy Ford, who's a special teams ace. I think overall that group is strong. It's got good depth. It's got good special teams value. Look, uh, now they've got 10 guys with Parks on IR, um, and I think it's a decent positionless secondary. Where where are you at with them? I think it's a little better. I'll still be honest. I'm surprised that Epps did make the team. I really really am. I thought uh, that spot around, especially the safety, could be used somewhere else, possibly along the offensive line or another tight end. But – I think overall, when you look at the top three, the, I mean, it's possible that Maddox and Slay and Roby Coleman can be the old Taylor, Vincent, uh, Al Harris trio. I think they have that potential when it comes to there. And I think especially uh, they're going to miss Will Parks, especially what he brings in big nickel. I think when it comes to his ability, if you take, uh, say, Edwards off the field at linebacker, you can bring him in, cover a tight end too, or a slot receiver. So I think that's going to be impact, have a bigger impact than a lot of people imagine, but Overall, I think it has potential, and it's just it's just weird not seeing Sidney Jones or Russell Douglas on this list. Yeah, I mean, and as you mentioned, I think with Parks out, they're going to play more two-linebacker, three-linebacker sets, which makes sense as to why they would keep Singleton uh, as a backup. Um, you know, from uh, you bring up Russell Douglas and you bring up uh, Sidney Jones. Russell Douglas was claimed off waivers by the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Sidney Jones... Uh, uh, signed with the Jaguars practice squad, uh, mild stomping grounds. And then Sharif Miller, last year's fourth round pick, also got claimed by Carolina. So, uh, you know, 
with Tongi, I also go into the Colts. They had three of the 17 players claimed off waivers after final cut. So that tells you what the, the league thinks of this roster. Um, we should also mention the special teams trio of Jake Elliott, Cam Johnston, and Rick Lovato. Uh, talking about the 17-man practice squad, there's 16 guys on there right now. Um, technically, uh, Matt Leo does not count because he's part of the international uh, pathway program as he's Australian. Here's really quick. Here's the practice squad. Graylin Arnold, Deontay Burnett, Travis Flugum, Elijah Holyfield, Luke Jariga, Adrian Killens, Matt Leo, Josh McCown, Sua Opeta, Joe Osman, Elijah Riley, sixth round pick Prince Teguanagu, Raekwon Williams, Trevor Williams, and Caleb Wilson. I think it's a safe bet to expect at least Burnett or Flugum to be promoted to the active roster. I also think you could see um, you know, Osman, depending on the injuries at defensive end or Opeta based on, on what they have on the offensive line. So look, I, I think this is a good group. Um, what are your final thoughts, Chris? I think the way uh, this, this roster is constructed, uh, it's going to be interesting. The key is going to be avoiding these injuries to make sure that they have that. Cause I think they used a lot of their depth already for people to start right now, but overall I think it's pretty good and could be a playoff, a playoff caliber type of team. Well, guys, let us know what you think uh, about this roster. We wanted to make this quick extra episode just to break down the depth chart. Check out all of our stuff on nj.com. Write your comments. Download us wherever you can download podcasts. We're really excited about all the feedback we've been getting about the new format and, and obviously Chris joining us. You know, as the week goes on, we'll have tons of coverage leading up to week one. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode of the No Huddle Show. We'll talk to you then.